Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. The weekend is upon us, and Walters is a great spot to gather for brunch from chicken and waffles to Walters breakfast tacos. Walters' menu has something for everyone. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On top of that, for only $20, enjoy bottomless drinks, including mimosas, Bloody Marys, Trulies, and old-time lagers. Make your reservation at waltersdc.com today. In three men on the right side, two out, bottom of the ninth, three balls, one strike to count. Doval setting to the pinch hitter Ruiz. Runners going, the pitch swinging a ground ball right side. Fielded by the second baseman Estrada, the throw to belt at first, and this game is over. The Giants have clinched a series victory, taking the first two games of the series. And welcome to Nats Chat for Sunday, April 24th, 2022. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi Podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Mark's enjoying some much-deserved time with the family. Tim Shovers is working tirelessly behind the scenes. In fact, the rumor is that Shovers is uh, meeting with Mike Rizzo because Mike wanted Tim's input on what to do about Patrick Corbin. I've been told that Mike said to Tim, I'll meet with you, but whatever you do, keep that guy Galdi away from me. So yeah, uh, I am here with you. Uh, talking Nationals. But that's a good thing. It's good to be with you. Hope that you're having a nice weekend. Uh, The weather in the Washington, D.C. area has been great so far this weekend. Unfortunately, the Nats are not having a nice weekend, at least not so far. Uh, The Nats fell to 6-11 with a 5-2 loss to the San Francisco Giants at Nationals Park on Saturday afternoon in Game 2 of a three-game series as the Nats, once again, were bad offensively and were not good enough with their starting pitching. Uh, The bullpen was good again, but the hitting and the starting pitching were not good enough again. And Josh Bell, for a second time in four games, left a game early due to a leg injury. There are two Nats who have hit well so far this season, as most of you listening know. Uh, Those two Nats are Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Uh, That Bell is dealing with these leg issues is particularly worrisome. Remember, Bell left the Nats 11-2 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park this past Wednesday night due to an ailing left knee. Now, the good news has been that the testing came back clean enough to where uh, Josh has continued to be uh, the Nats every game starting first baseman and cleanup batter. But Josh Bell on Saturday afternoon in the bottom of the second drew a leadoff six-pitch walk, but then he left the game after two innings. Now, watching the game, uh, you said to yourself, I know I did well. Geez, this left knee now 
seemingly has reemerged as an issue. The good news is that the left knee was not the reason that Bell left this game early on Saturday afternoon. The bad news is that Bell now has another leg issue, right hamstring tightness. Uh, He was to undergo testing. Uh, Perhaps this right hamstring tightness isn't that big of a deal. But like I said, second time in four games that Josh Bell, who has been at worst the Nats' second best hitter this season, has had to leave a game early due to a leg issue. And obviously, Josh Bell is a bigger guy. So leg issues uh, are things that could be particularly problematic for him, right? I mean, his legs are carrying a good bit of mass, you know, a good bit of weight. Uh, here was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Josh Bell. Yeah, he's got a uh, right hamstring tightness, so we took him out and um, but went for, uh, he went to go get MRI, went for him to get back in the results. So I wanted to be cautious. Um, you know, with, with the other leg, you know, with his knee. So I just want to make sure he's okay. With the left knee earlier? It was the left knee, yeah. Two MRIs in a couple days. <laughs> I know. We're wearing out that MRI place, I tell you. And so the premature exit of Josh Bell on Saturday afternoon was part of another overall woeful game for the Nats in terms of their batting. Uh, the Nats totaled just two runs, just seven hits, just one walk. Uh, the Nats went one for six with runners in scoring position. Uh, Juan Soto had a bad game, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Nelson Cruz had another bad game. Boy, is he off to a rough start here. I still maintain that Cruz will hit for the Nats this season, but he has not hit so far. Uh, Cruz on Saturday afternoon, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Uh, Nelson Cruz now in this 2022 regular season has a batting average of just 177 and on base percentage of just 261 and a slugging percentage of just 274. Um, You know, we all get it with this Nats lineup this season. As Juan Soto, Josh Bell, and Nelson Cruz go, so will this Nats offense. Well, Soto and Bell have done their parts, but Cruz has not done his part, not so far. And, you know, I do think he'll get going, but he certainly has not gotten going yet. Uh, Alcides Escobar on Saturday afternoon. Another bad game for him. Boy, is he killing them right now with his batting. And as we've discussed, his defense hasn't exactly been stellar. But Alcides on Saturday afternoon, 0 for 4, left four men on base. Your Alcides Escobar slash line so far in this 2022 regular season. Batting average of 143, on base percentage of 222, slugging percentage of 163. Yeah, he's slugging one. 63. The Nats now through 17 games in the team's 2022 regular season have a team OPS of just 610. Uh, That's not good. And consider this, just the run scoring by the Nats. Uh, The Nats now through their 17 games this season have totaled a mere 59 runs. 59 runs over 17 games. That works out to just 3.47 runs per game. And it's not just that. The Nats on April 11th won at the Atlanta Braves 11-2. So the Nats in their other 16 games this season have totaled 48 runs. That works out to just three runs per game. And I know that offense is down in Major League Baseball so far this season, but those are some tough numbers. I mean, when you are routinely scoring three runs or less and your starting pitchers routinely aren't lasting for more than, say, five and a third innings, uh, that's a problem. That's a big problem, and that obviously helps to explain why the Nats are just 6-11. and 11. Now, we did have a significant development with Davey Martinez's lineup on Saturday. For the first time in 17 games this season for the Nats, Cesar Hernandez was not the Nats' leadoff batter. 
Uh, he was not the number one man in Davey's lineup. Uh, I had been wondering how long exactly was Davey going to stick with Cesar Hernandez? You know, the production just has not been there. But at the same time, you want to give a guy a chance, right? Well, uh, I don't want to say that that chance is over because we could see Cesar Hernandez back batting in the Nats' number one spot sometime soon. But Lane Thomas on Saturday afternoon was the Nats' number one batter and Cesar got dropped to the number six spot. So this is significant, not just because Cesar Hernandez had been the Nats' number one batter in each of the team's previous 16 games this season. But remember what Davey said uh, not that long ago. Davey on March 15th at a press conference at Nats Spring Training said that he wanted Cesar Hernandez to be the Nats' leadoff batter for the 2022 season. Quote, I love for him to be our leadoff hitter. End quote. Well, as we saw with Victor Robles as the Nats' number one batter to begin last season, uh, what we think will be the case, uh, what we are told will be the case, can end up not lasting for very long. The guy is struggling, and Cesar has been struggling. I mean, you know, he's had his moments. He had that recent stretch in which he hit like a bunch of doubles, but overall, the numbers are not good. Cesar, over the first 16 games of the Nats' 2022 regular season, batting average of 217, on base percentage of just 250, slugging percentage of just 261. Now, Cesar on Saturday afternoon did have two hits. Uh, he went two for four with two singles. Uh, Lane Thomas on Saturday afternoon, one for four with an RBI single and two strikeouts. Uh, Thomas in a Nats two-run fifth had a two-out RBI single to center field to cut the Nats deficit to 5-2. Remember, Lane Thomas was quite good as the Nats every game leadoff batter down the stretch of the 2021 regular season. Uh, Lane Thomas, right, acquired via the John Lester trade what remains perhaps the greatest heist in recent Nats history in terms of Mike Rizzo just totally uh, swerving another team. You know, we'll see what ends up happening with Lane Thomas, but that uh, Mike Rizzo got something back, anything back for John Lester, who was really struggling at the time for the Nats and ends up getting back a guy in Thomas who was productive as last season went on. Uh, tells you all you need to know about how good Mike Rizzo has been at trades over the years as the Nats general manager. But Lane Thomas, over his 191 Major League Plate appearances for the Nats last season as the Nats' number one batter. So just looking at games in which Lane Thomas was the Nats' leadoff batter last regular season, on base percentage 361, slugging percentage 491. Um, you know, if you're basing things on merit, uh, you could very much argue that Lane Thomas should have been the Nats' every game leadoff batter to begin this season. Uh, for whatever reason, that was not the case. We don't know now that Lane Thomas is back to being the Nats' every game leadoff batter. Like I said, let's see what happens moving forward. Maybe Cesar Hernandez is back in that number one spot on Sunday. But, you know, there is at least somewhat of a track record here with Lane Thomas last season having done well as that Nats number one batter. Uh, he was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on why he batted Lane Thomas in the leadoff spot. Yeah, I just want to get and see if we could jumpstart land a little bit. You know, um, he did well for us in the leadoff spot. And also, too, you know, when I talked to Caesar last night about letting him rela- relax a little bit and not trying to put so much pressure on him, uh, trying to get on base and just swing the bat. And, you know, he, and he did well today. I mean, they both did well. So um, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I know we got, we got a, a running pitcher against us. Uh, I'm going to look at everything uh, tonight and then make a decision how we're going to do that tomorrow. Yeah, we might we might do that. I mean, you know, look, Lane hits left-handed pitches really well, um, so it was nice to get him up there, you know, against the lefties and see if we can get two cracks at him. You know, so um, I liked it. You know, he hit a couple balls hard today, so uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. Also, for the Nats offensively on Saturday afternoon, a home run 
Uh, we have not had many homers by the Nats so far this season. We did get a homer on Saturday afternoon. And now the pitch. Swing by Adams and a high fly ball to deep left field. Peterson going back, way back. Warning track at the wall. He can't get it. It is gone. Goodbye. Riley Adams was the Nats starting catcher and number eight batter as Kbert Ruiz really has been struggling offensively here lately. Uh, Adams in that Nats two-run fifth on Saturday afternoon, a two-out solo homer to left field to cut the Nats deficit to 5-1. And uh, Adams homer, despite having been down to the count at one point, 1-2, the homer per stat cast had an exit velocity of 104.3 miles per hour. And Riley Adams, with that home run, became just the fifth Nats player to hit a home run this season. The Nats have not hit many homers, period. Uh, In fact, the Nats now on this season have just 10 home runs on the season, but the previous nine homers had come from a batch of four guys, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Nelson Cruz, and Michael Franco. So now we can say that five Nats players this season have hit home runs, but good for Riley Adams for doing that. You know, it's interesting on Saturday afternoon, two guys uh, from whom not much was expected as last season went on, but ended up being surprisingly productive, ended up playing at least semi-prominent roles for the Nats offensively. I, mean, I don't want to overstate things, right? The Nats scored just the two runs, but you had Lane Thomas being back in the leadoff spot on Saturday afternoon, and you had Riley Adams as the Nats starting catcher on Saturday afternoon. Now, you know, this clearly was to spell K-Bear Ruiz. It's not like Riley is taking K-Bear's spot as the Nats every game catcher here. But remember, Riley Adams was productive for the Nats last season. Uh, Adams in the 2021 regular season, over 90 major league plate appearances for the Nats, had an 887 OPS. And whereas Lane Thomas was acquired by the Nats in the John Lester trade, remember the Nats got Riley Adams in the Brad Hand trade with the Toronto Blue Jays. And speaking of the Blue Jays, a former Blue Jay, Aaron Sanchez, was the Nats starting pitcher on Saturday afternoon for this 5-2 loss to the Giants at Nationals Park. Uh, Aaron Sanchez made his Nats Major League debut. It wasn't all bad, but uh, ultimately the positives only went so far. So the Nats on Saturday morning, as expected, selected the contract of Sanchez from AAA Rochester. Uh, Remember, the initial expectation was that Paolo Espino would be starting this game on Saturday afternoon, but uh, Paolo ended up having a pitch in relief. He tossed two scoreless innings in the 7-1 Nats loss to the Giants at Nationals Park on Friday night uh, as the Nats bullpen in that game was leaned on quite a bit due to Patrick Corbin uh, getting shellacked. So the Nats on Saturday morning called up Aaron Sanchez and in order to call him up, had to clear a spot on the 40-man roster. And so what the Nats ended up doing is a corresponding roster move is designating reliever Patrick Murphy for assignment. Uh, Yeah, Patrick Murphy got DFA'd on Saturday morning. Now, that doesn't mean that he's definitely done with the Nats organization, but uh, when you get DFA'd, that means that you could be done with the organization. So Aaron Sanchez on Saturday afternoon, four runs in four into third innings. Uh, He gave up six hits, a double, and five singles. He issued one walk. He recorded just one strikeout. He did throw 43 of his 64 pitches for strikes. Uh, Sanchez in the top of the first gave up a run. Uh, Sanchez gave up a leadoff bunt single to Mike Yastrzemski, who placed a perfect bunt down the third baseline to beat the shift. You want to talk about bunting to beat a shift? What Mike Yastrzemski did in the top of the first inning on Saturday afternoon was like textbook. Uh, Sanchez issued a two-out five-pitch walk at Darren Ruff. 
Sanchez gave up a two-out single to Jack Peterson on a grounder up the middle. Sanchez gave up a two-out opposite field RBI single to Brandon Crawford through the left side of the infield for a 1-0 Giants lead. Now, Aaron Sanchez did then toss perfect second, third, and fourth innings. So through four innings, Aaron Sanchez had allowed just one run. That was good, right? You sign up for that if you're a Nats fan, given the state of the starting pitching. But Sanchez then had major issues in what ended up being a four-run Giants fourth. Uh, Sanchez was charged with three of those runs. He got just one out in that four-run Giants fourth. Uh, Sanchez gave up a leadoff opposite field double to Wilmer Flores down the first baseline, despite him having been down to the count at 1.12. Sanchez gave up a single to Tyro Estrada on an 0-2 pitch. Uh, The ball was hit up the middle, went off Sanchez. So some bad luck there. That's true. But still, you had Estrada down 0-2. He ended up making contact off you. Uh, Sanchez gave up an RBI sack fly to Luis Gonzalez on a 1-2 pitch for a 2-0 Giants lead. Sanchez gave up a one-out opposite field RBI single to Kurt Casale to right center field for a 3-0 Giants lead, despite Casale having been down to the count at 1.12. And then that was it. Davey Martinez pulled Sanchez from the game. Uh, That fourth inning was frustrating because, as I just outlined, Sanchez had a number of these guys down 1-2, even 0-2, but was unable to put them away. And, you know, Aaron Sanchez is not really a strikeout pitcher. He's a sinker pitcher. Uh, If he's leaving balls up, he can get into some trouble. And he got into some trouble in that fourth inning on Saturday afternoon. Here was Davey during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Aaron Sanchez. He was cruising along there. He threw the ball well, really, really well. I think in the fifth inning, he just the ball got up a little bit on him. You know, and when you're when you're a single ball pitcher, you got to keep the ball down. He, the ball was up a little bit, and um, I thought you know, I thought that was that was good. So, uh, but I, yeah, I liked what I saw out of him. You know, and, and if he can continue to uh, give us innings, and he's going, you know, he's going to get better. He's going to get stronger. Um, but he looked good. You know, I, I was pleased on the way through the ball. You think he'll get another start? Or- uh, yeah, I think he will. Yeah, I think he will. All right, so it does sound like we'll be seeing Aaron Sanchez starting a game again here for the Nats. And, you know, to go back to the Patrick Corbin conversation, this is why what would feel so good to so many is probably not going to be happening, which is the Nats demoting Patrick Corbin to the bullpen. This team remains lacking in legitimate, viable starting pitching options. And so when you need a spot start to be made on Saturday afternoon, as the Nats did, what do you do? You end up summoning Aaron Sanchez. I mean, understand who Aaron Sanchez is. The Nats in March signed him to a minor league deal. This guy was taken by the Toronto Blue Jays with the number 34 pick in the 2010 MLB draft. Now, for a while, he was a good starting pitcher. Aaron Sanchez for the 2016 regular season was number one among qualified pitchers in the American League in ERA at three, but his career then fell apart to where Aaron Sanchez, over the next five regular seasons, he did not pitch in the 2020 regular season, in 307 and two-thirds innings, had an ERA of 503, an ERA plus of 87, a whip of 158. He, in September 2019, underwent right shoulder surgery. Aaron Sanchez is a reclamation project. And look, you signed him to a minor league deal. It's a total no-risk potential upside signing. So I'm not mad at the Nats for having signed Sanchez, but like this is who the Nats turn to when they need a spot start to be made, a reclamation project in Aaron Sanchez. There wasn't some prospect who the Nats called up to make this spot start. Uh, A reclamation project was called up to make the spot start. Now we know the number one prospect in the Nats organization, Kate Cavalli, will be being called up at some point this season, perhaps sooner rather than later. We'll see 
But until then, I mean, the Nats remain in this position of just not having much organizational pitching depth. And that's one of the things that really needs to be rectified as this rebuild goes on. And that's why, to me, a big part of this Nats season is adding more inventory to what the Nats have in terms of prospects and getting guys to play well, veterans, and uh, having them emerge as trade chips who you can then flip come that MLB trade deadline. And, you know, that really is the way, I think, to be looking at this Nats season big picture. Um, You need to add more to your inventory of prospects because the Nats farm system still is not in great shape. Uh, So Aaron Sanchez on Saturday afternoon gave us the latest outing from a Nats starting pitcher this season. That resulted in less than five innings of work. But the Nats bullpen on Saturday afternoon gave us another impressive outing. This has been the positive with the Nats here lately, the bullpen. And raise your hand if you expected that. But on Saturday afternoon in this 5-2 loss to the Giants at Nationals Park, five Nats relievers combined to allow one run in four and two-thirds innings. Uh, The reliever who had issues was Sam Clay. He entered the game in the top of the fifth with one out, gave up a run, and what ended up being that four-run Giants fifth. Clay gave up a one-out pinch hit opposite field single to Austin Slater to right field, issued a one-out hit by pitch of Brandon Crawford to load the bases, allowed an inherited runner to score on a Darren Ruff grounder that resulted in an RBI force out and gave up a two-out RBI opposite field single to Jock Peterson on a chopper through the left side of the infield to beat the shift for a 5 nothing. Giants lead. So Sam Clay had some issues, yes, but then the bullpen got the job done. Uh, Steve Ciszek tossed a scoreless top of the six with two strikeouts. Now, he did give up two singles and a walk. Uh, he actually had the bases loaded with two outs, but uh, Ciszek then struck out Brandon Belt on seven pitches. Francisco Perez tossed a perfect top of the seventh. Tanner Rainey tossed a perfect top of the eighth. And Kyle Finnegan tossed a perfect top of the ninth with two strikeouts. Uh, we have not been seeing much of Tanner Rainey and Kyle Finnegan here lately. Uh, way too little of those two guys because the Nats have been trailing so often here, but um, the bullpen gets a job done. I mean, again, ultimately, this is, yes, another game in which Davey has to use five relievers, but the five relievers combined to give up just the one run in four and two-thirds innings. Remember what happened on Friday night? Four Nats relievers in that 7-1 loss to the Giants combined for seven and a third scoreless innings. Uh, so this Nats bullpen so far in this series really has been locked down, right? One run allowed over 12 innings of work. I mean, how about what went down in the Nats four-game split with the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park? The bullpen was really good in three of the four games. It was terrific in the doubleheader sweep of the Diamondbacks on Tuesday and then was quite good in the Nats 4-3 loss to the Diamondbacks on Thursday. Uh, five Nats relievers in that game combined for four and two-thirds scoreless innings with six strikeouts. Uh, The Nats bullpen has had some bad games this season, no doubt, but Nats relievers down this season have a collective ERA of 353, uh, and Nats relievers down this season have 75 strikeouts in 74 innings, so more than a strikeout per inning. That's good, Uh, although that innings total of 74 stands out, and it's hard to believe that this bullpen success is going to continue if the bullpen continues to be leaned on like this. I mean, you think about this. Nats relievers have totaled 74 innings over just 17 Nats games this season. Uh, So the Nats are averaging more than four and a third innings per game from the team's bullpen. Uh, That's a big ask for this bullpen. And, you know, now, especially with both Sean Doolittle and Hunter Harvey on the 10-day injured list, the bullpen depth at least to a degree, your figure is going to be tested, although the bullpen has been really good here uh, in recent games. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You tell us what you think. You can tweet us at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast. What is the only post-game Nationals podcast? We're not with you once or twice a week, you know, having generic conversations. We're with you after every day of Nats baseball, and we give you honest, objective unfiltered Nats coverage. So if you would like to sponsor the podcast, we welcome you with open arms. You can email Tim Shovers at NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. Our new NatsChatPodcast t-shirt is out. It is red. It is terrific. You can get yours by going to NatsChatPodcast.square.site. And remember, if you wear a NatsChatPodcast t-shirt at Nationals Park, send us a photo and uh, we'll put it out there for you. We'll tweet it out for you or retweet it. Again, you can tweet us at Nats underscore chat. You can email us NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nats Chat Podcast. If you don't already do that, subscribing costs you nothing and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, Nats Chat is on the radio on Sunday mornings at 9 in both the Richmond and Hampton Roads area. We're on Sunday mornings at 9 on 1061 ESPN in Richmond. You can listen online at ESPNRichmond.com, and we're on Sunday mornings at 9 on Sports Radio 96.5 FM and 8.50 AM in the Hampton Roads area. You can listen online at Sports Radio 96.5 FM.com. Uh, a best of Nats Chat podcast is what airs on those two stations. Uh, all Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Mark Zuckerman will be back with me on the next installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Hopefully we're talking about a Nats win uh, on that installment of the pod. Until then, though, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time 
on the Nats Chat Podcast, and we're going to leave you with a voice memo from our guy John Walker of Alexandria, Virginia, who has provided us with a tale of his first experience at a Major League Baseball game. Hey, Alan Mark, this is John Walker, Alexandria, Virginia. My first memory, I actually have very little actual memory of. I do have a photo of it as me, of me as about a five-year-old or so. It was a game at Wrigley Field versus uh, the Cardinals, and my Uncle Paul took me to it. I remember it because I've got a nice photo of me as a five-year-old with my uncle and a few of his friends. Um, it's memorable, uh, though, in addition to the photo, just because the reason we went was to see my Uncle Paul's high school basketball teammate, Gary Kolb, play for the Cardinals. He had made the majors, never got much more than a cup of coffee with the Cardinals and the Pirates and somebody else along the way. But uh, my uncle and Gary Cole played for tiny Rock Falls, Illinois, high school in basketball, almost pulled off a Hoosiers in 1958. They uh, made it to the state championship final before losing to a big city school from Chicago. It's quite the big deal to this day in Rock Falls. But the reason the baseball game is sort of memorable in my mind is Gary Kolb went on to have this, uh, you know, journeyman career. And when he was the Pirates in the late 60s, he was quoted in the They Said It in Sports Illustrated saying, I had a horrible nightmare last night. I dreamt that I missed the team plane and the flight went down and everybody on the Pirates was killed. They had to bring up the AAA team and I was still the 25th man on the team, which I thought was pretty funny. My Uncle Paul is also famous in my family for taking me to my first hockey game in the early 70s or late 60s. And I came home from a Little League game, and he said, how'd it go, Johnny? And I said, oh, Uncle Paul, it was terrible. We got beat 19-1. to And he said, that's okay. It sounds like it was the pitcher's fault. And I said, I know. I pitched. Uh, Till the day he died, my Uncle Paul, who was a terrific guy, great athlete, felt terrible about that. Anyway, keep up the good work on the pod. Really look forward to it every day. I just feel like today, Jim, this uh, this is the day. This is the day. Upright, relaxed stance, tucks the left shoulder in as he cocks the bat over the right. The 1-1, ground ball. Base hit in the right! 3,000 for Miguel Cabral! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.